All right. So here we are. First episode. How are we feeling? Are we excited? Oh, man. Yeah. I feel like this has been a long time coming. We've been talking about trying to put some content out ourselves, and here we are making some content. Content it is. And we're here on the road, on the road, meaning in our desks, in these seats, baking up <laughs> this thing that has been a long time coming. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Risha. And Jonah. And you're listening to Fermat Presents Commerce in Conversation. This show is an opportunity to listen to Jonah and myself. Mm, mostly you. Okay, all right. Mostly me. Well, it's where you'll join me as I discuss industry-related insights, topics, and the overall evolution of the distributed commerce space with a new guest every time diving into different topics. Oh my gosh, so many guests, so many episodes, so little time. But this time around, I'll be talking to Rishabh about the humble beginnings of the company Fermat, the company's vision of the future of e-commerce, and much, much more. But first, I was thinking it'd be a little bit more fun for the time being, it's our first episode, to talk about some hot topics in a section we're calling Top of Mind. And I don't think you, we can get more current than this week's uh, Top of Mind topic, which I hope it's not, you know, too soon to talk about. I think we're good to talk about it, hopefully. But I think it's important to address the elephant in the room, uh, elephant being the SVB uh, events, what happened on Friday. I don't know about you, but Friday started out pretty good for me. I had a yogurt parfait for breakfast, <laughs> a nice little caramel, car- caramel coffee with some sweetener. I sat down at my desk. I cracked my knuckles. My head a little crack, crack, sat down at my desk, opened up my Slack message, and it had the channels were blowing up with a bunch of drama. And I was like, it's never like this. It's never popping like this on a Friday. What's going on? Sure enough, get in there. I find out Silicon Valley Bank was going through some stuff. And that initially kind of flew over my head. I'm the new duck in the pond here for Ma. And so everyone else seemed to be much more acquainted with it. Could you give us some background on exactly what happened on Friday with Silicon Valley Bank that we haven't already seen in the news or on Twitter? So I'll tell you that for me, it started on Thursday afternoon. Um, Basically what happened is I got a text from one of our investors that explained to me really quickly what was going on and said, hey, you should consider whether or not you want to move your funds based on what's happening. And so on Thursday afternoon, I was working with Shreyas, the other co-founder of Fermat, trying to figure out, hey, do we want to move our funds? And then we made the decision that we were going to try to. And so um, we actually did initiate a wire on Thursday evening. And then Friday morning, we woke up. And actually, Shreyas was the first one to send me the message saying that <laughs> the FDIC had like shut it down and put it into its receivership, meaning basically um, they were now in control and and you could not move money around anymore, right? And was that on Thursday that Shreyas knew that? Or did he find out on The news came out on Friday morning that that, that that SVB was in the FDIC receivership and so it had been shut down. Um, Yeah, so our wire from Thursday didn't go through, basically. Um, Yeah, and so so then at that point, you know, I thought about this in, in three work streams. One was, what do we do about SVB? Two was, how do I communicate it to the employees? And then three was, what does this mean with immediate liquidity, right? So it's like long-term capital, short-term capital, and then communication with the team. And so um, basically the best that I could do was to communicate as clearly and as concisely as possible what I knew at any given point in time, but to not try to over-dramatize anything or to not try to speculate when I was communicating with the team. And so what I was trying to do in communication, and I'm, you know, you can tell me if this is what 
you know, from your point of view, whether or not this is how it was received, but just try to say what is true, what is the best that we know at this point in time, and that I'll just keep the team updated as I learn more, right? Because like what I didn't want to do is like participate in speculation. Um, and so that was like the goal right. behind the communication with the team. And then the other two work streams, short-term capital, long-term capital, over the weekend basically was making sure that no matter what happened with SVB, that we would be capitalized both in the short term to make payroll for the 15th payroll. And then the second thing is have capital long-term to be able to get to the next raise. And so over the weekend, basically I was just working with our investors on options for both of those two things. And we had, I mean, I was never worried about our business. We had paths kind of no matter what happened, but that was the series of events that was happening. Right. And I heard you mention our investors. So you were in, were you in talks with them? Had you received any insur- assurances from them or, you know, it sounds like you were engaging in conversation, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, to say I was in talks with them would be an understatement. Uh, right. Yeah, I was, I would say. <laughs> the group chat was going crazy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a, probably a better way of saying it. Um, yeah. But, but working with them to make sure that we had options for both short-term and long-term. And so, I mean, we have really good investors. And so luckily, um, no matter what was going to happen with SVB, we were going to be able to continue to run the company. So So what actions did you take um, this weekend to like plan for the worst, right? Because like you, you found out on Thursday, right? You know, before we knew and your goal, like you had said, was to kind of just not over-dramatize act on what you knew and just keep us updated, right? And so in your mind, right, if we're thinking, you know, worst case scenario, what was your thought process behind that? What would the plan have been? Yeah. we. And what I was had, worst case scenario? Had, what did that look like? I had I had created options for us. There, there was never going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> I had done the work yeah. to make sure that there was never going to be a problem. So I had I had created pathways to make sure that Mm-hmm. No matter what happened, we would be able to wire money to our payroll processors so that way everybody's checks would come in on the 15th. And from that point forward, we would have enough capital to continue to run the company in the way in which we wanted to. And so like the way that that work looks in the background mm-hmm. is basically talking to existing investors about what are the different ways that you can raise that money in order to accomplish that outcome, right? And so there's like a bunch of ways that you can do that. Um, and we had created a, a sort of like series of ways that we would start to approach the problem, but they were very committed to making sure that we could like do a path that we needed to in order to continue to run the business. Right. And so like, just from, from my point of view, and this is what I'm interested, right? Because when on Friday, when I had seen all of the Slack messages in the channel and stuff, I, in my head, I was like, Oh my God, Rishabh is freaking out right now, probably. I'm like, I, I, I bet Rishabh was freaking out. It doesn't sound like you are. It doesn't sound like you're freaking out at all. It sounds like no, you had... No, what's interesting is like, um, and you know this because like you're in all of our team meetings and things like yeah. that. You've seen how I act. And so I actually like when there's only one big thing to worry about, I'm like actually very calm. And so uh, I tend to not get flustered by like really big uh, events or like adversity that actually tends to calm me. Um, mm. Now that that has pa- basically gotten past us, right? You know, now I'm more stressed because now there's like a thousand things to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like this saying that like the founder who does not have product market fit only worries about one thing, which is product market fit. 
but the founder who does worries about a thousand things because it's like this process isn't working and this process isn't working and this is not moving fast enough and so it's like not like the the breadth of things to worry about increases very quickly and so when the silicon valley bank thing was happening everything collapsed and there was only one work stream that mattered which was how do we remain capitalized right because if all of a sudden your your money in your bank goes to zero <laughs> which is kind of what happened um then you you only have one problem which is we don't have money right mm-hmm. and so actually for me it was very calming like i was not stressed at all it was the most calm that i've been in a very long time interesting so it from what from what i'm hearing it sounds like when you have like a sole thing to devote like all of your attention to in the way that you did it you just kind of like tunnel vision this is the obstacle in front of me let me just do everything i can to overcome this thing yeah and the great thing is like everything else is irrelevant you know it's like mm-hmm. you know are we going to push the podcast out doesn't right. matter we don't have any money right. you know what i mean it's like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like, i was kind of what it's kind of what I was thinking on Friday was like when th- when I was reading all of this, I was kind of just like I was thinking to myself, I was like, "Holy cow, nothing really is promised." <laughs> I was like, "This thing's kind of just like in the air," and we're all we we were all just messing each other like, "Are you doing okay? Are you okay?" And we're like, "Yeah, we're good. We're just staying tuned to the chat." And honestly, I want to take a moment to just thank you, kind of, for having you know your head screwed on right and not do- doing not doing the thing where you over dramatize it you know or like you just kind of reported the facts told us what was going on that's what was going on and updated updating us because it for me at least it kept me really level-headed i wasn't really freaking out about it in the way that i don't know like the media was definitely freaking out about it which was wild to see because i thought it was just going to be a thing on our slack channels and then sure enough you know i go online i head on twitter and everyone's like the biggest crash since 2008 i'm like oh my god it's which is is, yeah it's technically correct you know yeah now, for our listeners at home, in the car, and in the air, who aren't aware, because we haven't really like talked about it too much at length, we've, dis- we've discussed the company, but we haven't really talked about our positions there. Um, you are the CEO and co-founder of Fermat, otherwise known as some people as Fermat, otherwise known as Fermat, otherwise known as Fermat. Um, so first question, what is the proper pronunciation for the people? So they know. I, I know, know that I forget sometimes. And I, I don't know what the proper pronunciation is, but I say Fermat. Like, I, I use a little T at the end, not a big T, but I say Fermat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you say that Fermat, Fermat, Fermat is akin to tomato, tomato, potato, potato? I think it's actually highly akin. Highly, highly akin. akin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, depending on where you go in the world, it's going to be said differently. It's like actually the, it's actually the perfect, it's perfect, perfect it's analogy. True. You know, it's like you go to England and you ask for water, not water, you know, like that type of thing. This is true. You go to the East Coast and they call it water. I mean, yeah, yeah. Now we're, now we're like getting into Boston territory, yeah. you know, like water. You know, it's like this is like ridiculous. <laughs> so I think this would be a really good opportunity for um, the audience to get to know us a little bit, right? And get to know the company a little bit. So if it's all right with you, happy to discuss the, happy to discuss the company that we've been talking so much about in this, in this last couple minutes. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I'm I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO, and you haven't told us what you do here. Oh goodness gracious, what do I do? I like to consider myself a wearer of many hats, um, a pop culture connoisseur, and then um, I guess the 
title that is on my little placard is marketing coordinator. And um, I'm going to hopefully be etching it in myself with a little chisel podcast extraordinaire. Um, but that is, that, that is yet to come. That's a lot of, that's a lot of letters though. I don't know if it'll fit on my tiny little thing. So the real question is, does Connoisseur and Fermat feature in the same sentence? If you are like going to pronounce both of the words correctly. I think so. I think that might be added to the new intro. It would be Fermat Commerce. Fermat Commerce in um, Conversation featuring Rishab and Jonah podcast Connoisseurs. No? Nope. <laughs> All right. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. So, we'll, see how many, we'll see how many French people we can offend in one sentence. Just um, right? be désolé to all the French speakers, <laughs> all the French speakers listening right now. So in your words, and we've discussed this um, one-on-one before, right? We discuss it a lot, a lot of the times in our town hall meetings and stuff, um, is we're trying to really figure out a way to talk about our brand in a way that is easily digestible and understandable for people who are both in and out of the e-commerce space. So that in mind, how would you describe um, the brand and the company? What is Vermont? Yeah. Um... I would say like the main thing that we try to do is we try to make it easy for a consumer who learns about a brand through any piece of content. So whether that's like an ad on Instagram or an article or whatever it is, like wherever you learn about a brand, if you then decide to go on the purchase journey, so like you hit shop now or you click the link or whatever it may be, the next thing that happens is a shopping experience based on the content that you were just experiencing. So if you were watching a video, you should be put into a video context, probably the same video that you can easily get the information that you need in order to actually make a purchase decision and then complete the purchase. Or if you're reading an article, you should be able to use the article as your shopping sort of like map and then purchase and make purchase decisions directly within the article without having to like navigate out to a bunch of different places. And so the whole idea is like, How do you build a store that is native to every piece of content that the consumer experiences? And the reason why we think this is super important is like the, I I think about commerce as having gone through two phases and we are helping to build the third phase. So phase one was Amazon, basically like in the nineties and early two thousands, it's like, oh, I want to buy something online. How do you do that? You go to Amazon, (laughs) you know, it's like kind of boring. highly effective, but kind of boring. And if you were to think right now about your own purchase behavior, I bet you that when you go to Amazon, you're looking to buy a utility. So it's like, man, I just need a blank. So it's like batteries, light bulbs, whatever. HDMI cable, I bought one two weeks ago. Exactly, perfect (laughs) example of a utility. And it's like, you don't actually care where it comes from, you just need it to work, Right. right? Amazon is excellent for utility purchasing, right? And actually e-commerce in general starts with utility, then it goes to inspiration. So then the next thing that happened is like what I would call the 2010s, which is redirect-based shopping. So you see an ad on Instagram or on Google search, or you see a product on Pinterest or whatever it is, and then you click on it and then you redirect to the website, Mm -hmm. right? And that's like rough how the internet works today, but it was really effective between 2010 and 2020. And so this redirect-based shopping is like kind of commerce 2.0, right? Mm -hmm. Where you basically see an ad, every, all of those ads take you to the brand's website. 
And now this new wave of commerce is basically every piece of content has its own unique store experience, right? And that's sort of the kind of commerce that we're helping to enable. And there's a few other companies, of course, that are trying to help participate in this new structure of doing commerce. Um, and that's like why we built Fermat is we want to enable this new way of doing commerce. Now, in in creating that <clears throat> the space, right, for the third evolution of commerce, the third wave, the new wave, um, if we rewind the clock, um, what kind of inspired you to create the company in this way with this kind of vision? Like what, what, what was the beginning? What was the, the inception of the idea? Yeah, I mean, so like, you know, I would say that the beginning was there was this moment where uh, Apple made an announcement saying that they're not going to allow tracking from one website to another. And mm. it sounds like a boring, esoteric announcement, and most people did not pay attention to it. And, and I saw that announcement, and my reaction was the consumer internet is forever changed. Like, the way we experience the internet has, at this moment, it has changed because once you don't allow tracking from one website to another, all of a sudden, the way that you need to enable the internet that you and I experience shifts because the economics of the internet completely shift, right? Right. Um, and, the, and the first impact is being felt by e-commerce, which is why we built a company to help e-commerce brands. Like, we need to give e-commerce brands, especially small and medium-sized ones, the tools to compete against Amazon. Like basically I sat there thinking if I don't do something about this, everybody's going to buy everything off of Amazon. And that's like not a world that I want to go back to. I would much mm. rather live in a world where there are independent founders who are able to actually build D2C e-commerce businesses and they're able to use like what the internet is great at, which is, Hey, how do I find the people who want my product anywhere in the country? And they learn about me in a way in which I can reasonably and economically deliver my good to them, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like seeing that that might not be possible anymore was, it was such a massive drive that I had no choice. Like I could not not do anything. Right. Um, it would be irresponsible not I mean, to commit yeah, yourself to it. it. Yeah, when I say it, it sounds so cliche, but it's like that's actually how it felt. It's like you know, yeah. If you don't do something about this, I don't know if somebody else will. Um, and I'm like uniquely capable of understanding these changes because I worked at this like extraordinarily boring company called LiveRamp, which does like tracking in the online world. And I know an unreasonable amount about how one does tracking in the online world. And I was like, if you're going to stop allowing this, the follow on implications of this is very large. Right. And so. That was like having this like unnecessarily esoteric information and then this announcement coming in was like the moment, basically. Right. So that's where we were, right? We know where we are. Um, and I haven't heard this from you. I've been wanting to actually ask this for you for um, for a while because I know like where we're trying to go. But like in, in your mind, like what's the dream for the company? You know, like if everything goes according to plan, right? We hit all the goals. We do all the things where what, what what is the dream for the company where do you see us where would you want to see us yeah i mean the way that i think about like hey what does the world look like if fermat is successful is fermat was an enabler of of people like you and me interacting with the internet such that we get direct experiences 
inside of the content that we are already enjoying anyway. Whether that's a shopping experience, a service experience, it doesn't matter. We happen to be starting at a at like a place where we are enabling B2C e-commerce brands, but in the ver- in like 10 years, the way the the way the internet functions is different because we were a participant in shaping how you got access to the goods and services that you want uh, at the point at which you want them, right? Today's internet does not work that way. Today's internet is like you get redirected. Today's internet is based on link clicks and tracking, right? And, And if that is no longer functional, you need a new way of structuring how you actually access information on the internet or access goods and services. And we want to be an enabler of that in any mm-hmm. dimension. And it happens to be the case that the first way we prove that we can do that is with e-com brands. I love that. Now, see, something you said earlier that I... I mean, I hope so. You work here. I mean, if you didn't love it, then you, should, <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> Actually, oh, God, I have another call. Do you mind if I... Help? No, of course not. Yeah, no, but no, right? I, no I, re- I really do love it. And something that you said earlier that I hold on to, and I'm going to mention now, is um, we were talking about Amazon. Right. And how that was like the first kind of form, right? The first wave of um, of e-commerce in that way where, you know, you could go to one place and they had everything there for you. Right. Um, And I kind of, I've grown up in a shopping world, like an online shopping world that started there. I remember it. You know, I remember everyone buying everything off Amazon, not like they don't now because they still do. But in my generation, at least, and I feel like for many generations, this is also the case, is people are moving further and further away from corporate shopping. And they are really understanding the power and the importance of shopping small businesses and um, supporting smaller creators, smaller brands because of quality of product. And also people care a lot more about where their money is going. They care a lot more about where the money is going. And if they're going to be shopping within content that they're already interested in right so they're going to shop within that content for these smaller brands and businesses it just it just makes sense you know if two plus two equals four then uh, yeah duh people are going to feel more incentivized to shop within the content that they follow that they like and um with the companies and the messaging that they connect with right yeah, I mean, this is the difference between utility and and um, inspiration or or like cultural, right? It's like, I mean, look, no matter what we do, we're not going to connect to the connect with the story of a battery. Like a battery is a battery is a battery is a battery, right? Mm-hmm. But that sweater you're wearing, I'm like, you know, that is not the same as a battery. Right. It's like, hey, it's actually like something that I actually care about. Right. It's like I chose this. Right. It's like, okay, you chose this relative to all the other sweaters you could buy. Right. There's like now what we're talking about is we're talking about personality. We're talking about inspiration. We're talking about culture. Right. And so I I like cannot imagine what it would be like to try to find that sweater on Amazon. I I just can't. I mean, I don't know if you did. Yeah. uh, I did. not Okay. I mean, I was like, if you did, then I'm actually very curious. I would love to hear the story, but, but like, I'll, I'll link you to it. I'll link you to it after the call. But it's like, it's the type of thing where it's, you know, 
I, I can't imagine right. anybody doing inspiration-based shopping on Amazon. And, and it's like, you know, I was thinking about this as we were talking, but if your goal is to build the everything store, by definition, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why is like, as soon as you have the stated goal of, do, of being the everything store, by definition, you're going to be search-based. You're going to be, you're not going to be inspiration-based, right? Like, can you imagine Google trying to do curation? That would be, I mean, I cannot think of a worse idea. Right. <laughs> like Google should be search-based, mm-hmm. right? Not curation-based. Um, and so like Amazon, I can't even, I mean, it feels just silly to me to say that like Amazon could ever play the role of discovery-based or inspiration-based. Like obviously, you know, Instagram, TikTok, magazines, newspapers, TV shows, these are inspiration sources. Mm-hmm fashion shows right like it is not going to be amazon if you are if your stated goal is to be the everything store you can it is in direct conflict to that stated goal for you to be able to do anything inspiration based it's funny how somehow some way you know we're talking about e-commerce and somehow in my brain i'm able to make connections to the oscars and the winner for best picture everything everywhere all at once because they talk and the whole movie is about this idea that, you know, you take everything. The, the, the movie, the movie's main character, the main antagonist of the film, yeah, she yeah. puts, she puts everything on a bagel, right? Puts everything on a bagel. And by doing that, she realizes that it's nothing, that nothing matters, nothing really matters and it's nothing. And so that, I, that popped into my head as you were talking about this idea of like, by aiming to be the everything store, you lose it. The very, the very thing that you want, you're going to end up losing. But by trying to be everything, you just lose that. And um, no, I just thought that was an interesting parallel. But no, thank you for answering all those questions. I really appreciate it. I think, um, you know, as much fun as we are having, because I'm having an absolute ball, I think it's time for us to possibly play some games. Are you down for a little game? We're going to rocket through this. Oh, we absolutely are. We're going to shoot right through. We'll make it a, a lightning round. So I have a couple of this or that questions for you. You can only choose one option, hence the or. This is not an and, it is an or that. So this or that with Rishabh, let's go. This or that, teleportation or time travel? Time. Time travel, love it. Now, this or that, targeting niche markets or mass markets? Niche. Niche, keep it niche. This or that, iPhone or Android? I'm gonna ask why in a minute because this is interesting to me. I wish it was Android, but unfortunately it's iPhone. Okay, so now now what makes you say that? Because considering this, you know, the big debate around iOS versus Android, you know, like a lot of people are on the side of Android because it has more features and things like that. And that's how a lot of my friends feel. And, you know, just me being, you know, a little bit more of a simpleton in regards to phones and utilization of phones. I like iOS because it's pretty and it's easy. And that's that's my main reasons. And I've been using it since I was like literally in diapers. So (laughs) I, um, you know, this story is kind of unfortunate, but I actually tried to make the switch to Android a few years ago and the the only application I cared about, which was not as effective on Android, was Gmail. And mm. for whatever reason, no matter what I did, I could not get my Gmail to work effectively on my Android. And so I had to switch back to iOS. But it was unbelievable to me that the reason I had to pick iOS was because of Gmail. I mean, yeah. there's, no, there's no greater irony. 
Now, this or that. Emphasis on company culture or performance-driven work environment? Performance. And that makes sense to me. I feel like I don't need to dive into that too much. No, totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll give my two, I'll give my two line view on this. Do it. Basically, it's like, I think that at this point in the company's, uh, in the company building, like you want to prioritize performance because people want to feel like they are working a lot alongside other people who are high performers. And the reason why it's important at this stage in the company in particular is because there's so much risk associated with not performing um, that it's very, very hard to work alongside somebody who is not as invested and as performant as you are because you can see the impact to the company's growth, right? Now, mm-hmm. that said, you want to make sure that you're not like breeding a culture that's toxic, but you want to breed a culture that encourages very high performance uh, in a way in which is sustainable through to the point at which you can start to like ask yourself the more important question, which is what core cultural principles allow for continuous performance over long periods of time. But, but in this moment, the thing that you, that I would prioritize is performance. Yeah. Right. Now this or that podcasts or music, and don't feel like you have to say podcast just because you're on one. No, I'm a sucker for podcasts. I mean, I can like, really? this. yeah, I'm a sucker. I, I listen hmm. to I listen to the All In podcast religiously, My First Million, Tim Ferriss. Sometimes I listen to Pivot. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker. Yeah. The podcast, do you do podcasts while you work out? I, I have friends who do podcasts while they work out and I, I can't wrap my head around that because for me, unless I have like house beats pummeling my ears while I'm on the treadmill, I'm not running. Right now I work out with somebody, so I can't listen to anything, unfortunately, oh. but I would listen to podcasts or audiobooks. Got it. Well, that okay, was so yeah. um, in case anyone was curious about my answer, I feel like it's blatantly obvious. Mine's music. <laughs> Hands down. I, I, it's, it's kind of concerning the way the amount of playlists that I have just in my Spotify, many of which are embarrassing at this point because they were made at a point in time where my tastes were so much more different, and I hate, I hate, I hate even looking at them. But um, podcast, sounds good. This or that, organic social marketing or SEO? I think social. I think I would pick social. I would agree with you. Again, I think the reason I picked that is the same reason I picked, you know, I, we were talking about Amazon where it's like if things are search-based, like you start to become more like a commodity or like an answer to a question. But if things are right. social-based they become more like inspiration oriented. And so Absolutely. like you really want to be in the zone of inspiration, not in the zone of commodity. I literally couldn't agree more with you. Oh my gosh, Rishabh, I think we made it to the end of the show. All right, man. I think we did. This is, yeah, this was amazing. Well, we can't thank you enough for listening to the first episode of Commerce and Conversation. There's so much more amazing discussion and rich content on the way. We can't wait to share it with all of you. And if you don't already, go ahead and follow us on our LinkedIn for live updates on the pod, business, and all things Vermont. Until then. All right. See you guys.